Before we begin with this morning's scripture reading, I want to remind you or share with you or help you to remember that we're in the middle of reading the Gospel of Mark, which is the uh, Gospel that we're reading this Lenten season over the six weeks of Lent. We'll be reading the entire Gospel of Mark as a way for us to walk through the Gospel and to see what it says and what Mark brings of his understanding of what the kingdom of God is as he shares it with a Christian community in Rome that at the time was facing persecution and martyrdom and death. And so Mark is helping them to see and to receive this message because he wants them to know that this faith is of value to them and it's of true and it's something that they are bearing with God's blessing. And so we read it this uh, Lenten season as a way for us to study it and also to know and see uh, what this gospel says as a whole because I often read it in, in kind of spurts in different passages. And so reading it in its entirety is a different way of reading it. Before we read today's scripture, we're, we're covering Mark chapter 4, verse 35, through chapter 8, verse 21. And so I'm just going to paraphrase very quickly before I read the actual passages that I want to talk about this morning. Mark has Jesus heal the demon-possessed man. He heals uh, Jairus' daughter and then the woman that's bleeding. Jesus goes to Nazareth in chapter 6. He be- tries to perform miracles and teach. But remember, the people say to him that, that you know, they don't believe him. And so he leaves there discouraged. Jesus sends out the twelve to perform miracles. Then John the Baptist is killed. Jesus feeds the 5,000. He walks on the water. Pharisees and legal experts from Jerusalem arrive. And then he feeds the 4,000 at the very end, kind of of chapter 8 of the portion that we read. But in today's passage, what we're seeing, or in today's reading we're seeing, is Mark is beginning to introduce to us something more. Last week he began to talk and present a story about Jesus presenting the kingdom of God and saying the kingdom of God is not something that you are looking forward to. It's not something that you're simply anticipating, but it's something that's here today in me because I am God's son. And so Mark continues that theme in today's scriptures that we read as Jesus is presenting examples now to the people and to the disciples that he is indeed the Son of God as he confronts, as he heals, and as he teaches and explains what happened. So this morning I would like to read from Mark chapter 5, chapter 1 uh, through 43, verse 1 through 43, but it's a quick story so I'll... Read it quickly. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the lake, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs. This man lived among the tombs, and no one was ever strong enough to restrain him, even with a chain. He had been secured many times with leg irons and chains, but he broke the chains and smashed the leg irons. No one was tough enough to control him, night and day. In the tombs, in the hills, he would howl and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from far away, he ran and knelt before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded him, Unclean spirit, come out of the man. Jesus asked him, What is your name? He responded, Legion is my name. Because we are many. They pleaded with Jesus not to send them out of that region. 
A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. Send us into the pigs, they begged. Let us go into the pigs. Jesus gave permission. So the unclean spirits left the man and went into the pigs. Then the herd of about 2,000 pigs rushed down the cliff and into the lake and drowned. Those who tended the pigs ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who used to be demon-possessed. They saw the very man who had been filled with many demons sitting there, fully dressed and completely sane. And they were filled with awe. Those who had actually seen what had happened about to the demon-possessed man told the others about the pigs. They pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. While he was climbing into the boat, the one who had been demon-possessed pleaded with Jesus to, come, to let him come along as one of the disciples. But Jesus wouldn't allow it. Go home to your own people, Jesus said. Tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you mercy. The man went away and began to proclaim in the ten cities all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Jesus crossed the lake again. And on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded with him, My daughter's about to die. Please, come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately. She sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, Don't you see the crowd pressing against you? Yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house, saying to Jairus, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard the report and said to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother, they came to the synagogue leader's house and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, what's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. They laughed at him. He threw them all out. Then taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went into the room where the child was. Taking her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means young woman, get up. Suddenly the young woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were shocked. He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this week's scripture, we've read passages of the Gospel of Mark where Mark begins to introduce Jesus as the Son of God. 
If you'll remember with me last week, we talked a little bit of how Mark was having Jesus in the first few chapters of his gospel introduce this concept or the reality to the people and the crowds that were listening that Jesus is doing more than just coming. He's bringing forth the kingdom of God. And in bringing forth the kingdom of God, people are being healed. Lives are being touched. He's teaching in parables. He's helping people to see and understand. And others are hearing. And so they've begun bringing their loved ones, their friends, others who need healing. In Mark's first four chapters, he is careful to write that whenever healing happens, Jesus specifically tells the person not to tell others about what they've witnessed and experienced. In the fifth chapter, which we read today, that kind of changes. Because Mark begins to present to us a a picture of Jesus and the kingdom of God that's coming and it's coming more to just more than to just the people of Israel. Traditionally, they had looked and viewed and anticipated Jesus' coming to be for Israel. And we see today the first interaction where Jesus goes out of Israel into another land, the land of the Gerasenes, which is across the Sea of Galilee in the northeast kind of shore. There's a region called the Decapolis, which is ten city kind of cities that are a loose association. They're filled with Gentiles. And so they kind of had a a loose relationship with the people of Israel. And so Jesus has gone there. He and the disciples have just traveled across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is asleep in the boat. The storm is tossing the boat, which is interesting if you think about it, because the disciples are fishermen, so you'd think they're used to being on storms of the boat. But I guess it's done that way, Mark does it that way, to to let us see how, how huge this storm was, how significant this storm was. And the disciples are just, they're scared, and so they call to Jesus. Jesus stills the water with the sound of his voice as he tells it to be calm. And then they land on the opposite shore of the Sea of Galilee, where immediately Jesus is confronted. As I was reading the scripture just now, it jumped out to me that Jesus' confrontation was immediate. And that this man who was living in the tombs, When he saw Jesus from a distance, it says he ran to him. I'd never read that part before, just now. Um, But it kind of shows me the significance, I think, of the recognition of this man and whatever was dwelling within him of who Jesus was and the fact that the Son of God was standing before him. This man had urgency in confronting that which he was fearful of. Whatever possessed him had urgency in confronting that which had control over him if he chose to have control over him. This is a man who had been dwelling among the tombs. We don't know for how long. We know it's long enough in Mark's gospel that he writes for many times the man has been imprisoned. He has been chained, but nothing has held him. And so he lived among the cemetery or in the cemetery of this community held captive, if you will, by the demons in his life that prohibited him from dwelling and being a part of the community. Mark makes it clear to let us see the level of possession 
that this man experienced is he cannot be restrained by restraints. He howls day at night. He cuts himself with stones. I mean, it's mar- almost like Mark is presenting to us a perfect picture of someone who is experiencing some sort of demonic possession as he confronts Jesus. And he confronts Jesus out of the captivity and isolation that he's experiencing. In his confrontation, we see that this man recognizes who Jesus is. Jesus hasn't announced himself. It isn't a part of the gospel where this, where the gospel has spread to where all around know of Jesus' ministry and his healings and his teachings. So Mark says that the demons within recognize Jesus as the Son of God as they acknowledged and said, what is the Son of the Most High God doing? Don't torture me. Jesus asks their name. And as he talks with this man, the demons request the power, or they recognize the power that he holds and who he is. And they request Jesus to send them into the pigs on the hill. And so it's interesting to read your gospel. In my transmission, translation today, it says that, that Mark, Mark writes that Jesus gave them permission. And they went into the pigs, they ran down the hill, they fell off the cliff. And they died. See, with the word of Christ, this man was immediately freed from the captivity that he'd been experiencing in his life. This captivity that that led him to be removed from his community, his family, from his friends. This captivity that, that kept him from working and doing the things that he needed to do to care for himself and for others. This captivity that removed him from the community that each of us needs to be a part of. But we see today that it's in his encounter with the Son of God that he was healed. He's now in right mind. He's whole again. He's freed from the things that bound him and caused him to be exiled from others. The man goes to Jesus as Jesus is leaving and he asks him if he would let him be one of his disciples. Now, I'm pretty sure in saying this, but this is the first time Jesus tells someone who's been healed to go and tell others. Because Jesus tells this man, no, go home, go to your family, tell them what has happened. His encounter with Jesus freed him. And he was able to re-enter the life that he'd been unable to have. This man, this demoniac, becomes the first missionary to the Gentiles. And later in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, Jesus returns to this region. And there are people there who have heard of him. And they are looking for him because they know of what he's done. The other two stories that we read this morning are stories from people who live in Israel. Mark has shown us that Jesus comes for those who don't reside in Israel because His ministry and His message and the kingdom of God is for all people. And then Jesus returns to the land of Egypt, or of Egypt, of Israel around Capernaum, the northern part of, around the Sea of Galilee. And He ministers to two people that are experiencing a different type of captivity as well. 
Jesus and the disciples cross across the shore. There they land. Jesus is approached by a man named Jairus. Jairus. Jairus is listed by Mark to be a synagogue official. We don't know what that means, except he's some sort of official. But Mark is saying that to let us know that others are recognizing the healing power of Jesus and who he was and what he is. Because he is the Son of God. This man comes out of desperation because his daughter is dying. And he's heard that Jesus has the power to heal. And so Jesus begins to go with him to his home. And as he's moving through the crowds, depending on your translation, it either says there's a swarm of people around him or a crowd of people around him. They're pressing in on him and he's approached by a woman who's been held captive from her community because of her condition for the previous 12 years. Captive from her community, we need to understand that that means she can't worship. She can't be with her family in the way that she wanted to be. She really couldn't live a normal life due to the law pertaining to her condition. And so this woman is desperate. Mark writes that she's attempted every medical procedure to stop this condition. She's spent all she has. And then in my translation it says at the very end, and everything just made it worse. And so, out of her desperation, she approaches the Son of God. She's afraid because of the risk that she places on herself and on Jesus by touching Him. If she touches Him, He will be made ceremonially or ritually unclean. Yet she's heard that all it takes is to just brush His robe. And so she does it. She approaches him, she touches the robe, she's immediately healed. Mark writes that immediately her bleeding stops, she feels her healing from within. She's freed from the captivity that she's experienced these past 12 years. The the things that have kept her and made her unable to be a part of her family and her friends and enter the synagogue or do anything else. And she's freed by her encounter with Jesus Christ, as brief as it was. And just touching the edge of a garment that changes her life. See, she's released. She's released by this encounter that has released her back into her community. That she yearned to be a full part of. Of her illness is over. Her captivity has released her. Due to the healing power of God. But you know, there's a twist to this story. Because as she's receiving healing, as she's receiving life, as she's receiving renewal, a messenger comes to tell the synagogue official that his daughter has died. As Jesus is stopping to to minister to this woman and to tell her and offer her more than just physical healing, Jarius' greatest fear has come to him as he's heard that his daughter has passed. And that this teacher, this prophet, Jesus, isn't needed at his home anymore. His fear has come true. A fear that drove him as an official of the synagogue to find this traveling preacher that others said could heal. Jesus is no longer needed. His daughter 
she's, issued a, she's entered a different type of captivity. No longer is she ill. She's died. But Jesus' words to him are, do not be afraid. Just believe. Don't listen to those who are telling you that there is no hope. Just listen to me. Listen to him who, listen to me who, who brings you hope in your life, even at the times when life seems hopeless. Listen to me when life feels too full. Listen to me where you are in captivity, captured by whatever weighs you down and is going on. Listen to me. See, Jesus says, don't pay attention to those things and those voices that are coming into your life and trying to influence you to not pursue me, to not seek me out, to not try to grow in your faith and understanding of who I, who I am, in your understanding of what it means to put your trust and your hope in me. Just listen to me and believe. See, Jarius was hoping... That Jesus would get there in time and that his daughter would be healed, but he received a word that said otherwise. But Jesus said, just stop. Don't listen to them. Listen to me and place your hope, place your trust, place yourself in me. Because I can, I will, I do deliver those who are in captivity. And so the story continues as he approaches the home. Mark writes that professional mourners are already there. They're wailing the loss of this young girl's life. And Jesus, he tells them to leave. They laugh at him. And then he enters the home with Peter, James, and John and the young girl's parents. He goes to the girl. He speaks and just says, wake up. And she wakens as the captivity of death frees her. And she lives. She's been freed. She experiences resurrection through her encounter with Jesus Christ. All because her father chose to believe. See, what these stories tell me today or help me to see or help me to think about is that when the world and when others tell us that what we're doing is in vain and it's wrong, Jesus says, trust me. When you're facing trials and, and things in your life that are just overwhelming, He says, listen to me. And if we look at the way He reached out to these people, He offered life. He offered Himself. He offered hope. So there's no time, there's no, there's no situation in which he doesn't say, place your hope, your trust, yourself in me. Don't listen to what others are saying. There's still hope to be found. There's still life to be received. Just listen to me. Jesus meets us in whatever captivity we're in. And whatever captivity we face, whether... It's the range of things. But he says, look to me and I give you hope. I give you life. And at the end, I'll give you resurrection. Because, you, because you've placed your trust. Because you've placed yourself. Because you've believed. And because you've listened to me. 
And so I pray this day that in our times of greatest weakness, we can hear the word of Christ who offers us hope, who offers us love, who offers us himself. As he says, listen to me, believe in me, follow me, and I will lead you through all trials, through all tribulations, through all places that you go. And in the end, I will give you life. And that's the life that is promised to you through, my, through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who we worship and seek this day. Amen. If I can invite